she 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 said that it was as big as it's ever been Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, this is Brandon, founder of the TRT community, host of All Things Testosterone. You are in the right place. Just trying out a little different intro music today. Um, Don't know if I'll stick with it or not, just trying something different, something a little longer. I think I've got 33 seconds left to talk over this, so I'll fade it down a little. Uh, Today, we've got something interesting. I don't do interviews very often. Usually, it's me, Ian, and Kevin talking about boy stuff, talking about erections and boners and sex but um, today I interviewed Ken. Ken is the founder of Matrix Hormones. He answered a lot of really good questions. In fact, let me tell you what he answered. The questions were in this order. We talked a little bit about his background and why he started Matrix. We talked about HCG. So is that going to be available in the future? He got a, had a really good answer from him on this. Um, is it necessary HCG? for reasons other than fertility and testicular atrophy. Are pregnenolone and DHEA important enough to deal with the complications of adding HCG? If I sent testosterone into the stratosphere, would it be safe to inject <laughs> to inject upon its return to Earth? Uh, has Oh, I missed this one. Man, I really wanted to talk to him about TRT helping with anxiety and depression. Um, we discussed uh, MCT-based sipionate versus uh, sesame oil or... Uh, the other that's escaping my brain. We talked about uh, how clients would switch from one clinic to matrix hormones, what they would need, whether they would need new lab work, um, that kind of thing. We, we talked about the benefits of a low daily dose of Cialis. We talked about um, his opinion on stopping TRT cold Turkey versus an HPTA restart protocol. We talked about um, estrone versus estradiol E1 versus E2 We talked about his opinion on uh, aromatase inhibitors. We talked about the need to backfill hormones such as uh, pregnenolone and DHEA. We talked about sub-Q versus IM, and then we just kind of talked about TRT in general. So it was a good interview. I've got some good questions that I've had from uh, TRT community Facebook group members recently answered. And yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. He's a really nice guy, and he's super knowledgeable. So in the future, I plan on talking with him about uh, penile sensitivity issues. Um, that's something that, you know, if we would have tried to tackle it today. I mean, we would have spent an hour just talking about that alone. So it was about a 30, 35 minute interview and we covered those topics. Um, while I've got your attention, if, um, if you're looking for treatment options, matrix is certainly a great option. They have prices that start as low as $80 a month for our listeners and our TRT community, Facebook group members. So when you call them, just mention us um, or the podcast or me, and you'll get that special discounted rate, Um, as well as Royal Medical Centers. They provide an all-inclusive kind of turnkey treatment um, at a discounted rate as well. There's a few more. If you want to know more about those, you can check out testosteronepodcast.com slash discounts. You have to type in the slash discounts because it's not it's not a link on the page. If you just go to testosteronepodcast.com, you won't find it because it's not for people that just Google and find the page. It's for you guys that actually listen. These are prices that I don't advertise to anyone except for podcast member or podcast listeners and Facebook group members. So check those out. Um, more info to come on the weather balloon 
testosterone into the stratosphere idea. Um, when you listen to uh, Ken's answer about this, you'll you'll kind of know where I'm headed, what direction I'm headed with it. But yeah, check out this interview uh, right now. Okay. So Ken, I really appreciate you uh, joining me this morning. And I know a lot of guys are super interested in, in your clinic and what you've got going on. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how or why you started Matrix Hormones? Yeah. So I got in this particular field from general medicine about 15 years ago. And it was really due to my own needs. Um, I'm going to be 50 this year. You know, about 17 years ago, my testosterone plummeted. Um, I had thyroid issues, and my colleagues, other doctors, specialists, uh, they were making it worse. I really felt like, I mean, I thought I had some serious disease or disorder that I was just going to die. And I started doing my own research, ordering my own labs, and um, they couldn't make heads or tails of it. And I, I met up with a doctor at that time. He's been long retired. who started this medicine in the 90s and um, got with him for my own treatment. But he was so impressed by the research. And, well, I'd love for you to come into this field. And I'm like, look, man, I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here for you. But that's where it started. And it was a huge passion. Um, and that's when I went hundred percent into this, started educating myself, you know, certifications and all the things I need to do to get into this field. And I've been into it ever since. Nice. Yeah. That, that's pretty similar to my story. That's kind of how I got into it. I did the research myself. I, in fact, I went to the doctor and they said, you, you couldn't possibly have low T look at that beard, you know? And yeah, anyway, <laughs> So I've got a list of questions here from our TRT community, Facebook group members. Some of them are kind of off the wall, but I'd like to kind of just go through them and, and see what you think sure. about them. Whatever you got. The first one um, is actually a question that I have because I feel like I'm getting mixed answers from pharmacies and from clinics and from doctors, but what's going on with HCG? Is it going to be available in the future? Huge question of the day. <laughs> um, the feedback, and I, I'm talking from everybody from your smallest pharmacy to your largest pharmacy, like in Power or Wells, you know, these huge ones. Um, the consensus is HCG was never the target of the FDA. Uh, the main target was stopping compounding pharmacies from making HGH. Um, some of these things get dragged in and it's now considered a biologic. Uh, some pharmacies like Wells being probably the top three in the country has stopped making it. But numerous other pharmacies, after speaking to their FDA representative, they feel that they're going to continue to make it, like Empower, which is the largest in the country, and a lot of the other ones. Uh, at the very minimum, if that changed, they've stocked up greatly on it. So I don't see it impacting us to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, I, I, they're really telling me they feel 90, 99, 90 to 95% it's going to be continued to be made. Um, some of the options, uh, if it's not if, if we lose it, you can still get the pharmaceutical brand that we can prescribe, but you're looking at about a price tag of about $100 more yeah. per bottle. Uh, your other option is, and in some cases, Clomed could work, but that's not your optimal product. Yeah. And then they're coming out, and I think most pharmacies will have it here over the next month. And, and apologize, I don't know the exact name. I, it's a peptide. I, thought, I think it's called uh, Kissin. Yeah. Um, that works very similar to HCG. I'm still looking at a lot of the research and data on it. I'll use it on myself. I have to use myself as a guinea pig because 
I'm the worst patient you'd ever have. I have every side effect and symptom. So I figure if I could live through it and it works, it'll work for anybody. Um, but uh, it looks very promising for what I've seen. The pharmacies are saying, yes, it does work as good as ATG. Uh, price point will be similar, but I really don't think we're going to have an issue. And if we do, it'll be towards the end of the year. Okay. And that's that's basically what I've heard most recently. Um, I'm going to have to follow up with you on the Pepkissin, though. I've had a lot of people ask about that specifically, and I had never heard of it uh, before. Is it is it new? Do you know? No, it's been around for a bit. It's just like a, any other peptide it's used. It is one of the newer ones. It's not as old as Samoralin is what we started with. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a lot of promising information, but I like to look at a lot of cross data. Sometimes when you look at research, not the best research sometimes, sure. but so far with the pharmacies are telling me and what they're seeing it looks great um i like to see more clinicals that's what proves it to me i used it on you and i saw your numbers and your reaction um so i'm trying to gather more of those to see if we can get a better understanding of it sure okay so is hcg necessary for reasons other than fertility uh, it can be um, it fertility. Definitely. If you're trying to protect fertility, you want to take it into different measurements. I usually like taking it a little bit higher to be a little safer with fertility, especially if you're going long term. If you tell me you're having a child and want to have a child in a year, not a concern. But if you say three, four or five years, well, that's something you want to use a little higher of a dose, a little different techniques to protect it. Um, as far as is it necessary to use? I kind of leave that up to the patient. I, I, I could tell you, does it stop testicle shrinkage? Sure, it does. Does it stop the FSH and LH from bottoming out? Yes, it does. Does some men feel better on it? Absolutely. Do some men feel absolutely nothing? Absolutely. <laughs> and there is a small percentage that could feel worse. Yeah. Uh, so it's something I usually tell the patients that's something they need to try on their own to see how it works for them if fertility is not a factor. Yeah. I like that answer. You know, so many guys are, you absolutely have to have it or you absolutely should avoid it. And it's really, it's not black and white like that. And I've been guilty of that myself. You know, it's absolutely necessary for DHEA and pregnenolone and whatever. But yeah, I like the case by case scenario. Yeah, we're all very unique. And I have a lot, I have a lot of patients who come to me who say, doctors say, it's this or it's that. It's black and white. I tell you what, if it was black and white, our jobs would be so easy. <laughs> right. It is not. It well, is not. Yeah, we're and all very unique. The, uh, the endos and, and urologists would be doing it, right? It wouldn't be a, a special. Everybody would be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, random question. But if I sent a vial of testosterone into the stratosphere, would it come back usable? You're not going to believe this, but I actually can't answer that. I'm a big science buff. So. Excellent. As long as you put a good little parachute on it that the bottle didn't break or yeah. crack, you could. Okay. Uh, it has to go through the troposphere, which is about negative 75. Stratosphere is about negative 32 to 35. And then the ozone layer sits right on top of the stratosphere. So it protects it from the radiation. It's not sensitive to the cold. So as long as the bottle could last, you can inject it and you would be fine. Okay. Okay. Surprisingly, it's not as much of a joke question as it may seem like. Uh, I, I really want to do it. I'm not, I'm not into like weather balloons or anything, but I'd like to, especially with quarantine and everything, I'm thinking about getting a weather balloon and I'd like to send something into, into space. Um, and why not make it topical and maybe, you know, a little content out of it. But if I can, if I can figure out if I'm going to go to prison for sending a controlled substance into into space or not, then I might actually give it a shot. 
I think technically it's only if you lose it and don't get it back well, that you can technically maybe get charged. I can't, I can't make any promises. <laughs> yeah, right, I watched well, a video of, of a guy that did the same thing and he had to travel like 200 miles to end up getting his, he sent a Big Mac into space, but he wow. had to travel 200 miles away. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So a group member, Ian, has a question about MCT oil-based cypionate. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, You know, I don't know how many other pharmacies or or doctors use MCT oil. I like MCT oil because my preferred dosing is microdosing. And when you're using an insulin syringe, as you know, it can be difficult with uh, grapeseed, cotton, or sesame. Uh, Sesame being the worst. Uh, cotton being the best, or I'm sorry, grapeseed being the best out of those oils, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still difficult to fill. The MCT oil is about 30% thinner. It can be 5 to 10% more absorbable. Um, it was originally created for people who had allergies to the other oils, or because of the thickness of those oils, they had painful injection sites, or they didn't have good absorption. Um, so I like it for those reasons of I prefer microdosing. So it's easier to draw, easier to inject. It usually absorbs better when you're doing it more in the top layers. Uh, so that's why I, I prefer that particular okay. product. Do you prescribe that by default? I usually will, uh, it, it, unless, you know, there's different reasons for different pharmacies, different states. But I usually will go to an MCT oil uh, just because even if you're in, injecting in the muscle once a week, which is not my favorite, um, it it's going to absorb better. And you're usually going to have less pain or less nodding. So I usually do go by default to the MCT. Okay. I don't know that I've ever used it uh, myself, but that would be, I'd be interested in trying it just for those reasons. You know, I do two, right now I'm doing two injections a week, sub Q, but I've done as many as five and I've dealt with the sesame and the, you know, the viscosity of that. And I use an insulin syringe, so it'd be nice to try. Yeah, it's still, don't get me wrong, even with the MCT oil, uh, and that's the way I do it four times a week, but I pull to the 0.25, so you're looking at it, I time myself, I would say, you know, good day, bad day, about 45 seconds to a minute, and pulling that plunger three or four times for suction, usually will fill it. Uh, The sesame is ungodly to get in those. I bet it it takes me, you know, to get uh, half a mil, I bet it takes me five minutes with sesame. So, so yeah, that's your, you're using the one that's the thickest. Yeah. And I, I probably pull 25 times. I mean, I, I lose track of it because usually I'm like watching a YouTube <laughs> video on my phone or something because it takes so long. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. just stand there. Uh, junior's got a question about switching from other clinics. So can you talk a little bit about that process? I know that one of the biggest questions that guys have whenever they're already, they've already established care with another clinic is do they need to go through the lab process again? Or can either they send their recent labs or does the fact that they're already treating with another provider kind of, you know, uh, like, do they, do they still need the labs or can they just come on over? Um, it's, it's a case by case dependent, meaning if you just started, you'd never been on testosterone, you just had labs, you're within the first month or two, I can typically use those labs because regardless on our protocols, I'm going to test you eight weeks later to see what's going on. Um, if you're a patient who's been on it long term, you've already doubted in, you're just not happy with service or other knowledge, whatever it may be, then I can use labs that are a few months old because it's something, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel with the patient. They're already on it. I can use it. 
and then, you know, start them on the program. Now I am still going to test them eight weeks later on our, our protocols and things like that. Um, but yes, I can use that lab work. We try to make it as painless as possible. Uh, I do have a lot of patients who think, well, if I'm on treatment and you test me, my levels are going to be high or normal. You're not going to treat me. No, you're, you just need to tell me that you're on treatment. Cause if you don't tell me and I see, I want to be like, well, you don't need to be on testosterone, <laughs> but as long as you tell me there's, there's no issue there and we can get you switched over okay. as easy as possible. Okay. Excellent. Roger asks about the benefits of a daily low dose of Cialis. Yeah. Um, as you know, Cialis, you got to make sure you're not having any side effects or it works well for you and things like that. I really like low dose Cialis. Um, when we think of Cialis and Viagra, we think of sexual dysfunction. That's not why they were created. Cialis was actually created for prostate enlargement. Viagra was created for pulmonary issues to open up the airways. Uh, we didn't find out sexually they were great, and that's what the world just went to. <laughs> uh, but Cialis is still used for uh, helping shrink the prostate, prostate health, as well as, you know, sexual function is very well on. But they found out after several years of study, I think it came out about five years ago, that actually the low-dose Cialis worked better on opening up your airways, especially people who had pulmonary diseases, than the Viagra. But you have a lot of athletes or competitors who will take Cialis not for the prostate or sexual, but to get 10 to 20% better airways when they're working out and training. Mm. So uh, low-dose Cialis, as long as you're not getting side effects, can be very valuable to you. Interesting. Yeah, the the gentleman that asked Roger, I I am pretty sure I've seen Facebook pictures of him uh, with the whatever the the restrictive masks are that you would use to increase your ability to whatever like the you know what I'm talking about the ones that you would wear the you would wear the mask and then they restrict your ability to breathe so that you could oh yeah so when you're training yeah you when you're yeah, tra- yeah, yeah. You're tra- yeah 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 so what it does is trying to push you to create more airways yeah so when you have that mask off your cardiovascular is sure. better and you can perform better so he specifically might be somebody that that would be interested in improving that with a low dose of cialis 100 it would help that next question is from jay he said i'd like for you to ask his opinion on stopping trt cold turkey for someone in their 30s the risks um if you've ever considered this for your patients and if there's any hope for the body to return back to normal before therapy, the normal levels of testosterone. I wouldn't recommend to anybody stopping testosterone cold turkey. Yeah. Uh, just doesn't make sense. Um, you're going to most likely crash your levels. Not that some people don't restart on their own and everything in between. Uh, for the majority, they're going to crash. I would definitely do a post-cycle. Um, I like using HCG and Clomid together. There's a lot of doctors who use very high amounts of HCG or Clomid. Uh, they don't realize, they think, well, I'll push it higher, so I'm going to get better results. You're overloading the receptors and you're getting less results. By using HCG and, and normal dosings and mixing it with Clomid, you typically can get the body restarted nicely. If you have any worries about fertility, the Clomid hits that FSH uh, form, uh, releasing hormone a little harder. So you're going to get a, better, a little better fertility from it. So I definitely don't recommend stopping cold talk turkey, always doing a post cycle to restart your body. Sure. You know, I think, uh, I think what happens is that these guys start TRT with bad doctors and then three months in, they don't feel any different or they feel worse. So they just want to abandon you know, jump ship and, and be done with it. But have you, have you, do you come across many patients that, that actually need to discontinue treatment for whatever reason? 
No, not at all. Um, there's very few reasons that would do that. There's a sort of reaction in the prostate. It usually happens with people that already have prostate issue, prostatitis, or these different things, that testosterone, it's almost like an allergic reaction that it can aggravate the prostate. And, and the reason why we know this is a reaction is because even if I don't give them testosterone, say I give them HCG and Clomid, and stimulate them to make their own testosterone, they'll still have that prostate enlargement. So that's a very unique issue. Uh, for the most part, typically, no. If, if you're doing things right, and sometimes it, it, it just it takes a little bit of time to get it narrowed in, honed in. There's everything from water weight to blood pressure reactions to the way you feel. But here's the thing is if your testosterone is low and you fix it, and you're like, ah, I don't feel a big difference. How do you know there's not something else going on? low B12, low DHEA, high estrogen. You got to kind of look at all of those variables, balance it out. And if you check off everything and say everything is, is perfect, uh, very rare would you see that. You'd be like, okay, you know, this is not working for you. But no, you, usually most of the time it's better uh, on treatment. Um, I, I'm a big believer with the research that's been out um, being above 600 of usable testosterone minimal. Because when you drop below 600, you'll start to see those signs of low testosterone, muscle breakdown, uh, increased chances of cardiovascular issues. So it's not just about your libido and how well you feel. You raise risk factors when the testosterone goes lower. Um, just to touch on the prostate a little, there's a lot of confusion about because what I just mentioned about testosterone and the prostate is when you take testosterone, oh, you can get prostate cancer and all these things are going to happen with your prostate. What I see for most patients is there's no change. Uh, or the total number can slightly increase but be completely normal. But when you're checking the PSA percentage free, you will usually see that get better, which usually lowers your risk of cancer. It's that calculation ratio. Hmm. Uh, so usually testosterone will help that ratio to give you a lower risk, even though your total number might have went up slightly, but you're still completely normal. Interesting. And yeah, that's something that people are really concerned about is, does it, does it cause cancer? Uh, Tyler asks for information on E1 versus E2. He said that you guys spoke about it privately, but he thinks it would be good for the group to know. Yeah, E2 is estradiol. Uh, estradiol is what we all know about and we test for in estrogens. Uh, estrone or E1 is not as well known, but it's actually three to six times more aggressive than estradiol. Uh, typically, they both travel in their windows together. Meaning when I look at your estradiol, if I look at your estrone, they're kind of sitting in the same spots for their particular windows. There's sometimes that that estrone will just go crazy. Most of the time, it's when synthetic products are used or street products, synthetic oils. Um, certain other types of steroids will make that estrone shoot through the roof. So you might be saying, I'm getting all of these estrogen signs or I'm getting gynecomastia, but my estradiol is perfectly normal. And if you look at that estrone, it could be through the roof. Uh, I do say that's one of those that are kind of your worst case scenario because it's one of those things in order for us to fix you, it's especially if you have gyno and you need to fix it correctly, it's going to get worse before it gets better because there is no medication that can target one single estrogen. So that means when I'm bringing down your estrone, I'm probably going to bottom out your estradiol until we get you rebalanced. Uh, but then, you know, if you're triggered it that bad, you have no choice at that time. Sure. Okay. John wants to know what you think about using uh, aromatase inhibitors. Last case resort. Uh, I, I don't think they're as bad as what's being said about them, but I definitely want to avoid them. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I try to use microdosing to cut that estrogen conversion down by as much as 50%. Uh, I really like using natural blockers like DIM and grapeseed extract to stop the conversion. There's a lot of guys that think they can use these type of natural blockers and it's going to lower your estrogen. It doesn't lower the estrogen. It blocks the conversion. Um, so I like to have those taken right up front when you start taking the product because uh, you don't want to get a problem where it goes high and then you're backtracking. Um, so I try to avoid those AIs the best that I can. I don't agree with, you know, when you look at lab values for estradiol, they can be anywhere from as low as 35 to about 49. I think that's a little too low. There's not any specific research out there that really says that some of that carried over from female issues with cancer were originally learned in the early eighties. Um, I do believe you can push those numbers a little higher as long as you're not having actual symptoms or gyno. Um, there's a lot of stuff I've heard out there lately. Just let the estrogen go. Yeah. Just let it be on its way. Um, that's probably why over the last two to three years I've seen gynecomastia go through the roof. <laughs> uh, when you start pushing closer to 75 to hundred, you're starting to risk those odds of gynecomastia. And the problem with that is, is now what are my options to treat you? AI. I have nothing less. I got to get it down as quick as possible. I've had men, uh, not only with the enlarged nipples and all the symptoms, but they're literally releasing fluids. They think they're lactating, but a man can't lactate. It's just <laughs> fluids that are coming out. And that's how bad it can be. Yeah. Um, so you really want to address the issue of the way you dose, how much you dose, and the natural blockers in the beginning. Don't wait for a problem and backtrack. Yeah. Yeah, there, there seems to be every few years something, you know, the, the hot topic in the TRT world kind of rotates. And right now it's definitely that AI and AI versus no AI. Yeah, and there's a lot of things out there besides that that I'm seeing is um, about estrogens, letting rest estrogens run rampant and these different things. Yeah. Um, my response to some of this is what you perfectly said in the beginning. Everything is not black and white yeah. and we're not all the same. Yeah. Um, you know, I found there's some males that just convert a, high, a lot of estrogen. Their estrogens get high, whether they're triggering gyno or not. No matter what you do when you're treating, they came in with high estrogen, so they're, high, they're estrogen dominant. You, if you do all the methods and it still don't work, using an AI low dose on and off here and there to just keep it under control is usually extremely safe. Yeah. Now, if you use high amounts of AIs or constant AIs, I, I really don't like that. And, and one of the big research that came out of the UK that I saw a lot of people jump on was about, you know, uh, diabetes and AIs. It can make you insulin resistant. But if you read in detail what they did for that research, they gave one milligram of an estradiol seven days a week for six weeks and bottomed out the male's estrogen. I agree. You can become <laughs> insulin resistant if you do that. So um, that's where I, I saw a lot of people jump on that headline and run with it without looking at the full research. So yeah. um, I just don't think it's black and white, like you said, and it could be some safe ways to do things. I've actually heard from patients that have treated with doctors for TRT that are prescribing close to that, you know, one milligram, five times a week, something, you know, five, four or five milligrams a week of, of an astrazole. And it's been a few years since I've heard anything that outlandish, but it's always made me upset. Still, still happening. If yeah. you, if you were sitting where I am, you'll see it all the time. And I'm just trying to take a deep breath and not go off and try to explain it like, oh my God. You know, <laughs> even even for the polarizing folks that are just completely anti I or or completely for it, the the perspective that I take in any 
medical for any medical view is that I want to take as few medications as possible to achieve the results, you know? So if I can do TRT and not need an AI, I'm going to try to do it. And if that means I inject a couple more times a week, that's what I'm going to do. Totally agreed with you. Um, when you're depending on who you're working with, they're concerned about liability and yeah. keeping you within a certain number because technically if you're over that number, there's some liability there because you're not in the scale we're prescribed to do on. Sure. Uh, some of it, unfortunately, is sales. I'm selling you more. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen places come in and give higher amounts of testosterone, which means that they're trying to protect fertility. You need higher amounts of HCG. But what happens? Higher amounts of testosterone and HCG, higher amounts of estrogen. <laughs> now I got to sell you more an estrogen blocker. So I, I've seen that also. Jeez. Travis asks about the best method for backfilling hormones. And yeah, there's a belief when you take testosterone that they could cause a, a kind of a domino effect to make other hormones go off. Shut down so, into HPTA and then you lose out on the DHA. Okay. So what, what's your stance there? I, I really, if it ain't off, don't treat it because you don't know if you're going to be that patient. Um, yeah. For most patients, it's not going to affect the DHA and these other things. Some it could. And if it does, then you can treat, but there's a kind of a mindset of, well, I'll do it in the beginning. I do agree certain things in the beginning. Use the natural estrogen blockers and dose correctly on testosterone. Attacking a hormone that you don't know if it's going to go down or not, I just I don't agree with it. If you start to see a drop, definitely you could say there's some effect happening here. Let's try to start uh, back-ending and, and getting that dose up. But I, I wouldn't do it unless you're actually seeing a drop in the numbers that it's affecting you. Would you, would you recommend, if that were the case and you are – lacking DHEA, would you supplement with it with just a natural, with something off of Amazon or is there something that you would prescribe? How would you go about that? Well, we do have a, a DHEA pregnenolone that we prescribe from our pharmacies. It has the natural fillers in it. Uh, it's, you know, what's in it, it's in it because it's coming from a pharmacy. You can use the over the counter stuff. The problem is you could, uh, uh, with DHEA, one of the main side effects is acne and oily skin. You can get some more uh, side effects of that. Plus, you don't know what's in the over-the-counter. Yeah. Uh, but there's a huge price difference between over-the-counter and pharmaceutical. So if you want to try that and it does work on getting your numbers up without the side effects, by all means, you can do it. Uh, the only thing I'm against is, is the belief with some guys more is better. Yeah. Uh, let me do 100 milligrams of DHEA. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend more than 25 milligrams of DHEA, not only because of the higher risk of side effects, it, some of it does convert to testosterone, but some of it does convert to um, estrogen. So, you know, you don't want to start creating this problem. I recommend 15 to 25 milligrams for men of DHEA with 50 to 100 milligrams of pregnenolone that turns into DHEA without the harmful side effects. Only after labs indicate that you're deficient. Yep. And you don't have to, you don't have to wait till you're actually low. If you're, you're visit, if you're taking your labs and you're seeing, Hey, this numbers are slipping you could probably say, okay, you're that patient that is affecting you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I definitely would uh, wait till you see that trend happening, but don't let it bottom out. Gotcha. I think this is the last question. Nicholas says sub Q versus intramuscular thoughts. Yes. So if, you know, like I said, I'm 50, I'm back from the school where you use a horse syringe, an inch and a half, 18 <laughs> gauge has to be deep in the muscle. Yeah. Uh, we've learned a lot since then. 
Um, so uh, whether it's in the muscle, the fat, or a combination of the both, uh, you typically will absorb it and use it, and it'll work in the same way. There is a small percentage of men, uh, they have an absorption issue when you don't go uh, when you're going in the top layer of fat or the top layer of muscle, they can get some lumping and absorption issues, and you just increase your syringe size. Uh, you know, a, an insulin syringe is a 5 16 30 gauge. Uh, you can go up to your next one as a half inch 30 gauge, and you slowly trend your way up to see what works for you. But for most patients, the insulin syringe would work fine. I do run into a confusion if when I say insulin, patients immediately think, I want it in the fat, go in your stomach. Um, it's kind of my least favorite place because a lot of patients have problems there with nodding and nodules, pain. Uh, I like the side of the thigh. And our next question is, well, my thigh is all fat or my thigh is all muscle. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> the insulin syringe is just the small way to get it into your body. Yeah. Where about are you talking? On the thigh, if it's uh, the best way I can describe it is the outside. Never go into the top of your thigh because there's a tissue under there. To the curve or outside of your thigh. Uh, below the hip and about six inches above the knee. When you're looking at your thigh, you see how your thigh is real thick at the hip mm -hmm. and then it trends down and gets thinner and thinner towards the knee. Mm -hmm. So what you want is that meaty side section, not too high at the hip, not too low where it's starting to go narrow. Um, typically, most of the time, people really don't have any painful injection sites there. One of the things I always recommend is when you put the insulin syringe in you, is you push and you make a little dent or dimple. We all have, and we do that as a precaution because uh, we have skin, fat layer, fat layer, and then muscle. Uh, everybody has different thicknesses of layers. So I usually say make a dent with the insulin syringe wherever you're injecting it and inject it. If you're having an issue, then you can step that up from a 5 sixteenths to a half inch uh, 30 gauge and, and see if that works better for you. Okay. I'm going to give the, uh, the thigh a shot. I haven't injected in my thigh in five years, but I'm going to give it a shot. Cause I do, I inject in the belly and I do get nodding and occasional bruising and stuff, but for the most part, it's not an issue. Well, excellent. Um, where can we, where can we find you? How can they treat with you? What, what, what do you have going on in, in Florida? Uh, well, our main office is uh, in Tampa. We do do telemedicine so we can treat nationwide. Uh, there's a couple of States that have some restrictions. You know, you might have to, uh, we send you a sports physical sheet. You have to go get a physical uh, from your doctor, or, you know, something like that. Um, but uh, we do treat nationwide. We treat through telemedicine, right? Our office has been closed down the last month with everything going on. So we're all working remotely right now, um, but we are able to still make it work. So uh, they can find us on our website, which is matrixhormones.com or the information you give them with our phone number and call in. Um, to, to treat them and make the, uh, you know, changing over from any clinics as easy as possible. We try to be as fair as possible with the pricing, but give them the best care. You know, there's patients that have been with us 12, 13 years. Uh, even if they found something that was $50 cheaper a quarter, uh, they like the care they get. And that's what's important, that the patient feels good, they feel confident with their treatment, and they usually stay with us. Awesome, awesome. Uh, anything you want to add? Any crazy questions I should have asked and didn't? Um, no, you, you targeted a lot of the things, the way to inject, the estrogens, AIs, hot, hot topic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, injection sites, hot topic, prostate. Um, those are all really good questions. Um, you know, my only kind of comment that I'll make is, is we are all different. We are all unique. There's going to be different ways to treat somebody. They all can be right. 
uh, so, you know, I know a lot of people read stuff or talk to another doctor or hear stuff or my buddy's doing this. Um, it, it just, everybody's different and you have to tailor it. There's no, well, there is a lot of cookie cutter programs out there, but that's not what I like. You got to try to tailor it as much as possible. Uh, the other thing I think I would touch on is our free testosterone or bioavailable. I get a lot of patients that are buddies that come in. Well, why do you have my, my friend at a thousand? And you only have me at 700. Well, we are only able to get him to use 70% of his testosterone, which is 700. And you're using 100%, which is 700. So that's the biggest thing I get is you have to take an account for that free or bioavailable testosterone of what you're using. And that goes for two. I've had patients come to me from a doctor. He says, well, the doctor says my testosterone is 800. I don't need anything. You run a free testosterone and he's using 200. That's a problem. (laughs) You got to figure out what it is and fix it. Yeah, sure. Awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because there, there are doctors out there that just don't even test free at all, you know, whether they just don't know to do it or, or not. But yeah, it's, I say it's more important than total. I'm sure, you know, from your perspective, they're both important, but as far as how you're going to feel, I think free is probably the number to go off of, right? Absolutely. From a legal standpoint, I need the total. Um, but, uh, from a treatment standpoint point, I can look at your free yeah. and tell you how you're doing. Um, so that is very important uh, to what's happening. Cause like I said, you could be a thousand if you're using 200, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody else who's 400, who's using all of 400 is better than you. So yeah. that, that is really important. And you're correct. A lot of doctors don't get that. I have guys all the time as well. Here's my total testosterone. Why I don't feel good. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't I can't know. tell you. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I can run a free one on you. Um, which, you know, I, I think a lot of your, your listeners know about sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. That's the main binding protein. It's not hundred percent the reason, but most of the time I tell guys take natural products like boron, mm-hmm. even if you're normal, take it as low as possible. Cause the lower that is the more you use any of your total testosterone. How much would you recommend for somebody that is in the normal range of the uh, boron? Of boron? Usually I do nine to 10 milligrams twice a day. Um, and when you're the, the lower you get on the scale with SHBG with the boron, it's like, it, it's not going to bottom you out or take you too low because it gets harder and harder the lower you get. But if you're on the top third, I would say 50% and up, try to get on the very low third, it's closest to the bottom number as possible. So you're using a hundred percent of that testosterone. It does a couple of things. One, you're going to feel better. Uh, but two, um, it then means I don't have to give you as much testosterone. Yeah. I can keep your levels lower. You're using less product. You're saving money, but also less estrogen conversion, less red blood cell conversion, and all those sort of sure. things. Okay. Excellent. Well, Ken, I really appreciate you coming on, um, matrixhormones.com. I want to I make sure that people know that, that you're knowledgeable, that you're, you've got the time to spend with people. And that Some of the things that I hear from, from the guys in the group that have switched over are those things, that you really know your stuff, you're really willing to spend the time talking with them. And those are the types of things that I appreciate hearing. So I just want more people to know that, you know, you're the guy to, guy to talk to. And, um, yeah, I guess that's about I, it. I- Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was so great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TRT Community.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.